If you'd remain standing, we're going to read some scripture together. If you have a Bible, it's no surprise where we're going to be today. Shocking. He's talking about the resurrection. Who would have thought that would happen today? This is uh, every preacher's uh, beautiful day and nightmare all at the same time. How do you make this new? Spoiler alert, he's alive. So, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. So John chapter 20 is, is where I'm going to be uh, as we... Uh, finish our series called Seasons. Next week, we start a, a new series called Inconvenient Devotion. One of our, um, well, our word for 2022 is inconvenient faith. Convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. Let me say that again. Convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. It is not easy to follow Jesus. Like even just getting here on Easter, you're like, man, it was, it was difficult. How do people do this every week? It's crazy. Because it's not easy. And, and I think for the, all of us, except for the brother-in-law who came for the free meal today, but for the rest of us, we, we want to be devoted to Jesus. That's a pretty good idea. But it's not easy. And, and so we're going to talk about one of our core practices, and we're going to talk about inconvenient devotion, and that starts next week. So I hope you'll be here for that. But this series we're finishing today... I've got to tell you, I think this is fast becoming my favorite series that I have ever preached in two decades of preaching. Uh, that's saying a lot because I preached some pretty dang good sermons. Uh, but I, I just love this series. It's called Seasons, that, and we're in the book of John, and we're centered around the final days of Jesus' life. And life happens in seasons. It's important you know that, by the way, because if you don't know that, you'll be in a season thinking you're in a different season and you'll be all upside down, you'll get stuck, you'll be frustrated, you'll be celebrating when you're not supposed to be celebrating and you'll be wondering, what's going on in my life? And it's because you're celebrating or you're, you're thinking that you're in the, a different season. And all the seasons, by the way, they all happen in the same order, okay? You, get, you go through summer, then you go through fall, then you go through winter. We talked about that last week, and, and then you finally make it to spring that we're going to talk about today. You can't shortcut a season. But God wants to teach you something in every season. If you missed a week of the series, I'm telling you, you need to listen to it, especially last week. The winter one uh, may be one of the best sermons I've ever preached. And again, that's saying a lot because I preached them. So John, there's, thank you, that's my mother-in-law. Thank you, that's awesome. So John chapter 20, I read out of the New Living Translation, and if you are new to the scriptures, John was uh, one of Jesus' closest friends, and this he wrote down his account of Jesus' life, and so he's writing down from his perspective the resurrection story. And we're going to read in John chapter 20 where he says, Early on Sunday morning, while, I, while it was still dark, I could just stop and just preach that right there. How dark is it right now? It's always darkest before the dawn. And guys, when God always shows up, right when you think there is no hope, it's all over, nothing good is going to come of this, and then boom, dawn breaks. Oh, that is good preaching and I haven't even started. So it says that uh, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. She was one of the followers of Jesus, found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. 
She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. By the way, that's John writing about himself. How arrogant is that? By the way, I'm the one that he loves. I'm, you know, you got that sibling, you know what I'm talking about? That sibling that's like, I'm the favorite. That's John. Who writes that? This is God inspired, okay. She said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I love this. John is just ripping on Peter. Peter's out of shape. Peter had too much of the Last Supper. He can't keep up. John's like, I got a Peloton. I am, I am gone. And John is just, he's funny in his letters. If you, if you really read what he was like. So he stooped and uh, looked in. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived. He went in. He noticed the linen wrappings lying there. Cloth that covered Jesus' head was folded up, lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, that's John. He's right about himself. He went in, saw, the, saw and then he believed because he suddenly remembered, oh, wait a second. I, he, it says, for until then, they still didn't understand the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Now, if you're wondering what scriptures, ain't talking about the New Testament, we didn't have it. There's no such thing. This, we didn't have the New Testament. He's talking about the Old Testament. All the prophecies, all of the scriptures, they've all been fulfilled in that moment. And then they went home. Look at this, Mary was standing outside the tomb, crying as she wept. She stooped and looked in. She saw, she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head, the other at the foot the place where Jesus' body had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked. Because they've taken away my Lord. I don't know where, where they put him. She turned to leave and she saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she, she didn't recognize him. By the way, if you're wondering why, why, how do you not recognize Jesus when you've been hanging out with him? It's because he's in his glorified state. So he's, he's still fully man, but he is in his glorified state state and he said dear woman woman why are you crying who is it you're looking for and she thought he was the gardener and she said if you, if you take him away will you just tell me where you put him and I'll, I'll go get him mary that's all jesus had to say mary she turned him and cried out rabboni which is hebrew for teacher he said don't cling to me i haven't yet ascended to the father go find my brothers and tell them i am ascending to my father and your father to my god and your god so Mary found the disciples, she told them, I have seen the Lord, and then she gave him this message. So I wanna to talk to you today about spring, the hope of resurrection. Father, thank you for this glorious day where once a year we get to stop and we get to celebrate and honor the death and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus. If you wanna to speak to us, so church, here's what I want you to do is just in this moment, hey God, why'd you bring me here? Why am I here? And he says, I want to speak to you now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, you may be seated. So for most of our marriage, Laura and I have driven old cars. Uh, and when I say old, I mean never once did we drive a car in the same decade. Like old cars. Anybody? Old cars? Old car people? All right. Yeah, that's my people. Like five of you. All the rest of you are lucky. No, I drive that. I got some. You to see what I drove in today. Stan Sobolewski. <laughs> if you don't know Stan, he plays the keyboards and he parks out in the back 40 with that fancy white car. They don't want anybody door dinging. So that's who Stan is. 
But we've always had old cars in my car. And, and uh, you know, I've talked about uh, uh, one of the vehicles that we affectionately called the Duck. You've heard me talk about that from this stage before. We called it the Duck because it was an old Cutlass Supreme. It had a vinyl top on it. And uh, it started to come loose. And when it would come loose, you could hear it on the, on the uh, highway. It would go... You could hear it coming loose. And then it would go... And it would inflate like a parachute driving down the interstate. And so we called it the duck because I got duct tape and duct tape that bad boy down. So then it doesn't come loose, except that it gets hot in summer and I don't have the time to talk about it. And I've talked about it before, so I won't talk about how I was on I-44 one time, came loose, poof, and then it was flapping like Superman's cape in the wind. I pulled over the side of the road, got out a box knife and cut it off, threw it in the trunk. But I won't talk about that because I don't have time. Our very first car was a VW Bug, or not Bug, I'm sorry, VW uh, Rabbit. VW Rabbit, anybody, you may remember the Rabbit back in the day. This was an old one that cost less than $500. And I was coming home one night late from Dillard's. I worked at the dock on, at Dillard's at Old Southland Plaza. Anybody remember Southland Plaza? I was working there on the dock and I was coming home late at night and all of a sudden I heard, I thought, oh man, a car is going to hit me. I'm going to die. It was skidding out of control. I look around. There was nothing. There was no one. It was like 1030 at night. There was nobody. It was my car. It was the back rear wheel and it was frozen from the cold. So I had to carry water with me from that point forward to pour on it whenever it would freeze up so that I could get down the road. And then in the spring, when the rains would come, I had to make sure the floor mat was down because the bottom was rusted out. And if you didn't, it, the water would hit you in the face. <laughs> Telling you, when I say we drove old cars, we drove old cars. And many of you remember my Suburban, used to have a Suburban. Don't have that bad boy anymore. It kind of became an embarrassment. I, uh, I tried to pretend like it was okay. Where, you know where you put the seat covers on it? You know what I'm talking about? Like, no, it's good. It's good. It's like, and underneath, it's just ragtag. You know, it's just not going to fix it. And I'll never forget, the springs and shocks were so wore out that everywhere I went, you heard this. And I'm not making this up. I would deliberately make sure I was the last person to leave church on a Sunday so no one would hear my Suburban leaving the parking lot going, people be like, who is that? Oh, that's our pastor. That's our. <laughs> the vehicle I always wanted was a uh, Ford F-150, but um, I couldn't afford it because I had four kids. You know what I'm talking about. I, I, all my money went to them, and I said, one of these days, I had this dream journal. So I have this dream journal, and in my dream journal, I put everything I want. doesn't matter, crazy trips, things that I desire. I put my hopes and dreams, and I put my prayers in there, things that I'm believing God for that seem crazy that God could maybe do this miracle or maybe do this. It's all in my dream journal, and I wrote in my dream journal that one day I wanted to own a Ford F-150 truck. And that dream became a reality when my third son, Jeremiah, announced to us he was moving out, to which we said, oh, that's too bad. That's, I'm sorry to see you go. Yes. <laughs> the day after he moved out, I went and bought that Ford F-150 pickup truck. Come on, somebody. But I, I had to wait like three decades, <laughs> three decades 
to finally land and get my, my dream vehicle. What, what is it you're waiting on? Like, what is it that, um, is, what's in your dream journal? What is it that you're hoping for that maybe, maybe an area where you're kind of stuck in a winter season where it's a strained relationship? Are you just hoping maybe there might be restoration, but it's, it's, it's looking pretty bleak. Or maybe, maybe it's a, like a dead-end job. Nobody's ever been in a dead-end job before, have you? But you're like, right now, you're already thinking about Monday's coming, and you're just like, I never thought that I'd be stuck doing this. I had these dreams. I was going to do this, and then now I'm, I'm doing this, and you just feel stuck, and you don't see any way out of that. Maybe it's a financial hardship that you're dealing with. You can't, the bills that keep coming in faster than the, than the money's coming in, and it's going out, and, and it's not adding up, and you don't know how you're going to make it. Maybe it's your health that you just, it just, it's just not getting better. Or maybe it's something from your past. Maybe it's something from your past that just haunts you. It's something you did, or maybe it's something that happened to you, and you've just never been able to be free from that, and you're just like, man, if I could just wake up one day without thinking about that, if I could just wake up one day and, and, and experience some kind of freedom. I want to tell you this today, that God's desire and his plan for you is to not be stuck in winter. His desire and his plan for you is to bring you into a spring season. That's the hope of the resurrection. That's why we're all here today. Because we are believing that if, if, if he could be resurrected, maybe he could resurrect this circumstance, this situation, or he could even resurrect me to new life. If you're taking notes, and I know you all are, because you're just brilliant, intelligent, smart, and I know you study these notes throughout the week because I'm just that good. So I want you to write this down. God turns tombstones into stepping stones. This, this is the hope of the resurrection. God can turn a tombstone into a stepping stone. And this is what we see here in this account and in this story. When you look back at at John chapter 20, the disciples and those who were following Jesus, they were, they were stuck in winter. I mean, they, they'd seen him die on the cross. They'd seen him buried into the tomb, and they're just going out. They're wondering where the body is, and they, and they just don't think spring is even possible. But little do they know. Look, look at, back at the story. Let's go to verse 11 of chapter 20. It says, Mary was standing outside the tomb and she was crying and as she wept, she stooped and she looked in. This makes perfect sense. Mary's distraught because she thinks someone has stolen the body of Jesus. That's, that's the pain of winter right there. It, it feels like something has been stolen from you and you can't get it back. No matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you work, no matter how hard you believe, you just, you, you, you can't get it to, to turn around. And when you're in that season like that, this is what we start to ask, why? Why is this happening to me? Why me? I've not been a horrible person. Maybe I've done a couple bad things, but come on, I mean, come on, God, where are you? Why, why would this be happening to, to me? And I think when we ask why, we're not really looking for understanding, I really think that why is one of the deepest forms of grief. 
I think when you say why, you suddenly recognize, oh, I'm, I'm grieving. Because you're not really looking for answers. Why is just an expression of your grief, like you're, 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 you're an expression of your confusion. It's an expression of your pain. It's an expression of, a, of your doubts and all that you feel. And that's what's happening right here with, with Mary, that she is expressing the deepest form of grief here through her tears, but God has drawn her back to this tomb, like, and he brought her back here, and, and it's this place of loss, but it's a place where he wants to heal her. Can I tell you this, that God's okay with your questions and your tears? God, God is okay with your questions and your tears. Grieving is a part of your healing. Turn to somebody and, and counsel them right now. Give them a free counseling lesson to tell them this. Grieving is a part of your healing. Grieving is a part of your healing. And tell them, I expect the check in the mail. I expect the check in the mail for that. That's a free counseling session right there. Grieving is a part of healing. Tears, think of this, like tears are like a healing balm on the soil of your soul. It's like the spring rain that we have experienced this week and the spring rain hitting the hardened ground. In Chile, there's a desert there, the, the Atacoma Desert. The Atacoma Desert, there, it never rains. Rarely does it ever rain. It's considered the driest place on the planet. It only rains every like five to seven years. But, but when it rains... In a 24-hour period, they have more rain in those 24 hours than they have in the, in the entire five to seven years before that. And then something miraculous happens. The desert blooms. Over 200 species of flowers bloom in the desert. I don't know how long your winter is going to be. All I know is that God's promise is that he will send the spring rain. Rain will fall again in your life and your life will be made beautiful once again. That's the hope we have in the resurrection. That's why so many of you come every week. So many of you are in core groups. That's why you study the scriptures. That's why you follow Jesus because you've seen it in your own life. I could hand the microphone out right now and person after person after person would testify to the goodness of God. We just saw a whole video on it, didn't we? Like people who experience the miracles of God. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't just draw Mary to the tomb just to heal her. He brought her to that tomb to show his resurrection power. Look at verse 14. It says this. She turned to leave. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, don't leave early. Don't, don't leave early. No, really, like literally, do not leave early. Please do not leave early. People like to leave early. I know you got lunch. I know you got a lot of things going on. You do not want to miss what we're going to do at the end of the service. Don't, don't, don't leave early. She turned to leave, and she saw someone standing there, and it was Jesus, but she, did, she didn't recognize him. She's just a few feet from the resurrected Christ, like Jesus, and she, she turns to leave. She, she almost missed it, like the one who could turn her sorrow 
to joy and she's turning and starting to go in the right in the wrong direction when when the answer is right in front of her but that's winter that's the brutality of a winter season that we talked about last week you're just like enough this is broken it's not going to change This is my plot in life. This is who I am. And I'm going to settle in right next to this grave. And we turn and we leave when we're just a few feet from the answer. Don't leave too early. What's happening here, though, is, is Mary is looking for the dead Jesus. That's why this is happening. She's looking for the dead Jesus, and she's, she's not looking for the resurrected Christ. That's exactly what we do. We're not looking for the new thing that God's doing. We want the old thing back, right? When you've got your prayers and you're talking to Jesus, you're like, come on in here. I need you to have a seat. Okay, I'm bringing in this whiteboard right here. I just want to show you. I've done, got some arrows and things here for you. And you see, if you just did this and then you did this and here, I put, I got colored markers and this is fantastic. If you do this, then boom, we're going to hit blue. We're going to hit blue, Jesus. If you just do this. I got a flip chart. Don't get up, Jesus. Don't get up. I got a flip chart. And you just got a flip chart. And it's going to be this. And it's going to be this. And you, you got a document for him, you know? If you'll just initial right here, Jesus, and do what I need you to do. That's what we do. That's what Mary was doing. And it's understandable, by the way. Don't forget, we know the end of the story. They did not know the end of the story. And even though Jesus had told them, even though he said all these things, they still didn't get it. And Mary and the disciples, they were expecting Jesus to lead this uprising against Rome. They weren't expecting the kingdom that we know. They they were expecting a different kingdom. Like, he's going to overthrow Rome. Jesus is going to be our new king. We're all going to be a part of his administration. And and he's going to rule and reign in that vein. And that's not why Jesus came. In fact, in John 18, 36, when he was arrested, Jesus said this, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. God's promises are always true. Turn to three people right now and tell them God's promises are always true. Three people. God's promises are always true. God's promises are always true. But but his plan, his plan can often look different. And, And in our pain, And in our disappointment, in our disillusionment, and and, and, in our winter and sitting next to our, our tomb, we can miss the new thing that God is trying to do. I'm reading an incredible biography right now about Harriet Tubman. And Harriet Tubman uh, lived in the middle 1800s, right before the Civil War. And many of you probably know her story. But she... uh, She escaped the plantation and her slave owners and fled to freedom. And it's one of the most incredible stories of freedom ever documented. She she ran 100 miles with no direction, no maps, very little help. She had no one to to help her. You don't make it. In In that time period, you just don't make it alone. And you don't, certainly don't make it if you don't really know where you're going. But she was a firm believer in Jesus Christ her entire life, and she believed that God was guiding her. 
And she ran 100 miles by herself. When she got to Philadelphia, they were shocked to see her because they said, who helped you? And she says, no one, I just came by myself. And, and they're like, you're a woman, that doesn't happen. It was a miracle that she had made it that far on her own. And so she spent the next year there in Philadelphia being uh, restored and, and getting assistance and collecting resources because she wanted to go back. She wanted to go back to rescue her, her family, especially her husband. And so she saved up for a year and got all the resources and she began working with the Underground Railroad. And she said, I'm gonna go back. And they said, you can't, that's a suicide mission. You can't go back to the county and you can't go back to the plantation. They're looking for you. There's a reward for you. I mean, there's posters everywhere. This is not going, and she said, I have to go back. So she made her way back alone, all the way back to that county near the plantation. And she went to, to rescue her husband and she went and found her husband and she said, come, come with me. And he said, I can't. She's like, well, you can, please come. And he said, I, I can't. I, I, I thought you were dead and I, I've, I've taken a new wife and she's carrying my child. In that moment, everything was broken. Everything, the deepest form of grief that you could ever feel. She was distraught. She was heartbroken. She didn't know what to do. But, but she decided that she was not going to let that tombstone bury her. But she was going to turn a tombstone into a stepping stone. She just prayed and she sought the Lord and God spoke to her and she said, you know, if I can't get him, I'll get some family members. She grabbed her siblings and, and rescued them and then she began to go back again and again and again and again. She became one of the leaders in the Underground Railroad and she re rescued hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of slaves. She never lost one. But it's because she didn't get trapped she could have gotten trapped in that moment in her grief and she could have got trapped at that graveside, but she said, no, no, God's doing a, a new thing. And because she answered that and because she got up and she followed after Jesus and she did her entire life and God would give her visions of where to go and what to do and how to do it. And she became a spy in the Civil War. She's legendary. All of that because she said, you know what? I, I'm, this, this tombstone is gonna become my stepping stone. The prophet Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I'm gonna do what? Something new. Come on, say that with me, what? Something new. Now it will begin to spring up. Turn to somebody and tell them spring's coming. Spring is coming for you. It's coming. I know, I know, I know that you're trapped at that tomb. I'm not denying that brokenness, that heartache, that frustration, the never-ending darkness, lost, confused. I can't even hear the voice of God. I'm not even following God anymore. It's gotten so bad. I gave up a long time ago, preacher. But I'm telling you, spring will come again for you. This is our God, this is his love for you, this is his grace, this is his mercy. 
Isaiah says this, will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. And Atacama Desert, come on. And he says, I'm going to make flowers bloom in the desert. This is the resurrection power of Jesus. He turns tombstones into stepping stones. In verse 16, Jesus said, Mary. All he did was just said her name, Mary. And she turned, and then she cried out, Rabboni, teacher. There, there is nothing better than when you are standing at your tomb and God calls out your name. When, when, you, when you hear him and you haven't heard his voice for a long time and you wonder if he's there. I'm telling you, he is calling out your name because at the tomb, the teacher is there. But you also need to recognize that at the tomb, so is the deceiver. The teacher and the deceiver are both at that tomb. They're standing in your winter and, and, and the devil, he loves to come. Our enemy loves to come next to that tomb and he loves to bring confusion. He loves to bring doubt. He loves to bring back the pain and the heartache. In fact, actually, he'll hand you a shovel and he'll say, hey, get to digging. And what do you do? You grab that shovel from him and you start digging and you're digging and you're digging. Why are you digging? Because you're hoping desperately, I'm going to find some answers. And if I dig just a little bit deeper, I'm going to, this pain is going to, is going to go away. That it's going to bring clarity. It's going to bring some understanding. I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to get some closure if I just throw a little bit more dirt. But, but the more that you dig and the deeper you, you dig, the more frustration it brings, the more confusion it brings, the more heartache it brings, you need to put down that shovel. Oh, that's good preaching right there. Come on, turn somebody, tell them, put down the shovel, put down the shovel. Some of y'all came with somebody and you're like, I've watched this person with a shovel in my backyard. He's destroying it. Thank you for saying that. He's destroying my yard. Honey, you heard the pastor. He said, you need to put down that shovel. Our yard looks awful. I love that Jesus didn't let her walk away. I mean, she's, she's like, where, where have they taken him? And she turns to walk away. And, and, and even think about that in your, your brokenness and your struggle and all the answers that you're not getting. And you, you turn to walk away. And Jesus says, I'm not going to let you walk away. I'm going to call your name. And he, he calls out her name. He says, Mary. And she turns from the tomb to the teacher. When, when all hope is, is gone, I just want to encourage you today, turn, turn from the tomb to the teacher. Let God resurrect you. Let him turn your tombstone into a stepping stone. Verse 15 is funny to me because it says, uh, she thought he was the gardener. I mean, kind of, I mean, I get it that she's, he's in his glorified state and, and even the disciples struggled at times to recognize it. But this is Jesus. I mean, you know, and he's the gardener, but he's, she's, she thought he was the, gar, the gardener. And I, I, I love gardening. 
I, I'm a gardener. If you're new, you may not know that about me, but I love to garden. I love getting out in the dirt and, um, and just digging around and pl- uh, messing with plants and, and flowers and shrubs. And, and I just love my entire, I just, I live for it to get out in the garden. And there's different types of gardening that you can do. Some people are the seed kind where you go to the store and you buy seeds and then you plant the seeds. How many of you plant seeds? Show hands, audience participation. You're a seed planter. Okay. Got some seed planters. That's how you like to see it come up. How many of you, uh, in all honesty, because this is church, you'd say, if I'm going to plant anything, I'm going to go find the healthiest thing I can possibly find because I'm probably going to kill it. Raise your hand. That's most people, right? That's most people. That looks like I can't kill that. Gets the miracle grow because it's going to be a miracle if this grows. <laughs> Not me. I, I love to go to the back of the garden center, past all the beautiful plants, all the way back to the yellow clearance signs. I love to go back there because when I go back there, I, there's this old, just decaying plants that just look awful. And they're like, 50 cents, you know, like a buck 50, you know, it's dirt cheap, 75% off. And what I do is I hunt through the whole rack and I'm searching and I'm looking for any signs of life. Anybody, come on. I, anybody, come on. Uh, and, and then if I see it, I go, you, I got you. And I take that and I go, we're going to do some work together. And I start talking to it. We're going, you're going to be okay. You're in good hands now. Come on, come to Papa. It's going to be all right. Put a little blanket on it. Tell a little nursery stories. Rock it to sleep at night. I don't use miracle Grow. I don't get potting soil. I go out into my garden. I dig a spot and I look to where, what this particular plant needs. And I find the place where it belongs in the garden. Oh, I am preaching right now. Are you getting the correlation? And I'll find the spot and I'll dig dig the hole and and then I'll put it in in the ground and and then I will water it and I'll nurture it. I'll even prune it and clip it. I did some of that yesterday. And then I will, I do, I talk to my plants, man. I'm like, you doing it. You're going to be all right. We're going to make it together, together. I mean, we're going to do this. And, and, and I just watch it over and over again, and, and, and I just work at it because I want to see it come back to life. That's Jesus. He's the gardener. Of course he's the gardener. She didn't mistake him for the gardener. He is the gardener. He is the one who goes past all the beautiful pots and plants, and he comes all the way back to the clearance rack where you've given up hope, where you said it's over and it's done, and people have given up on you and said, hey, no hope for them. Who's given up on you? Who's told you there's no hope for you? And there you are, way back in the back about to be thrown in the trash. Jesus comes all the way back there for you. He's digging around, looking for any sign of life, and he pulls you off of the shelf, and he says, you, you come with me. Oh, that's good news right there. He says, I'm going to put you in my garden. Oh, my goodness. He says, I'm going to plant you, and I'm going to bring you and resurrect you back to new life. Here's what I love about this story. The central figure at the resurrection is Mary Magdalene. 
Now, if you're new to church, you may not know who, who Mary is. But Jesus, he, he, you would think if when he's resurrected, the first person he would appear to would be his disciples, right? I mean, or to John or somebody. Those are his closest friends. They're, they're the ones that, why would he not go to those guys that have been with him for three years? Like, why is he not going to them? And you think maybe he might go to the temple, make a grand entrance. That's what, I mean, that makes sense, right? Show up, like, if Jesus is gonna show up, show up on Easter Sunday. Ta-da! I mean, would that not be great? Some of you are all like, I think that was sacrilegious what he just did. <laughs> but that's what, you, that's what I would do. You're resurrected, get to the temple. Let him see you. The first person he appears to is Mary. It, do you know Mary's story? Mary was, Mary was on the clearance rack. She's all the way at the back. Dead, life over, no hope. In fact, she was demon-possessed. She had seven demons in her. So she's been rejected by society. And this is who Jesus first showed himself to. And he healed her. And he, he turned her tombstone into a stepping stone. And this is the power of the resurrection. This is what God can do for you today. This is the story of mercy and grace. This is why we're here. We're here for only one person and one reason.